All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I, I definitely felt that way after we had Hurricane Dorian. Is that what the hurricane was called? Yes. I felt that way for sure. In fact, I, I really kind of rose to the occasion and felt I had a community purpose. Uh -huh. It was really gratifying because I don't always feel that way. Yeah. Um, and then in this past snowstorm, which, I mean, it was a one-day thing. It was really bad for a day, but it was just a day. Um, I didn't really have the opportunity to feel that way because nobody went to work. And so I couldn't say... Listen, there's an accident on the 102. There right. was nobody on the 102. <laughs> Everything's clear out there. Yeah. <laughs> Probably don't go out, but it's clear. Anyway, um, it, it is what it is. You're right. I've gotten into this business where it just is a fact of the matter that uh, that you can't, you, yeah, you have to go to work. To the, to the point where they say like, hey, uh, our engineer is out there with a four-wheel drive truck. He could pick you up if you really need it. Yeah, they're really good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was going to say, when you said Hurricane Dorian, it reminded me of a... Uh, a little trivia challenge that we did on New Year's. Okay. And I could not come up with the name of Hurricane Dorian. So you guys did Big Fat Quiz of Everything? Yeah. We yeah. do Big Fat Quiz of the Year basically at Collins Place every year. There's yeah. like probably like 16 to 20 people. What a great idea. Randomly do teams. It's great. Him and Catherine organize it all. They don't play. They come up with all the questions. I won last year Yeah. Um, with uh, my partner, Collins' brother. This year, I came second. Because you couldn't place Dorian. I couldn't place Dorian. That would have put me first. And there was another stupid question. They started playing, um, they started, pl like, part of it's a song challenge. Yeah. So they played Old Town Road. I put Old Town Road, Lil Nas X. Yes. I didn't put the featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, so and like, that's. I was like, you're going to swipe me on that one? Wow, like, that I could have named it. Yeah. I mean, I there's a million really versions of that song. I know. But it, I guess because they played it and you heard the Billy Ray part, like, the, right. oh. <laughs> I mean, I think that kind of like clinched that song. Yeah. The Billy Ray Cyrus version. I know. I, I And it, you know what? It was just a careless mistake on my part. Did you watch the Big Fat Quiz of the year? I did. I watched that, and then I watched the Big Fat Quiz of the Decade the other day. I haven't watched the Big Fat Quiz of the Decade yet. Did it's you like it? better. Yeah. Really? Well, yeah, I didn't find the Quiz of the Year was that good. Noel and Richard are always good, yeah. but the other four were very lacking to me. Yeah. Uh, and then Noel and Richard are not there for the Quiz of the Decade. No. But the panel is overall better, I think. But all kind of like unknowns to us, really, right? Like to us. Maybe if you know like British comedy a little yeah. better. Yeah. Okay, well, I got to watch that. Mm -hmm. I'm pumped about it. Yeah, it's good. It's such a good thing to put on if you're like bored and it's winter because it's 90 oh, minutes yeah. and it's a lot of laughs. Over Christmas break is nice too because yeah. you wake up, you're kind of hungover. You're like, okay, we have the the trivia quiz tonight. Let's just hunker down, yeah. make some food, get some skip the dishes, throw this on. Now, speaking of really exciting and satisfying uh, trivia-based television, mm -hmm. let's talk about the matter at hand. Yes. Better ratings than the NBA Finals. Wow. Was the Jeopardy greatest of all time championship, which came to a close last night when Ken Jennings officially claimed his title as the greatest Jeopardy player of all time. He did. He, and he did it with pizzazz. He did it. You watched it. I watched it. Uh, so I've got mixed feelings about this because obviously respect to Ken, who's a genius and is has always, he probably was always rightly the, the, the heir to that title. Yeah. We love James Holzhauer. We love Jeopardy James. You more so than I. You're, you've watched more of him. It's I, important to clarify that the, and this sounds a little sore losery, 
But the daily doubles are the one element of the game that are slightly out of your control. You can strategize with the daily double, and part of James's bouncing all over the board is hunting for the daily double. But yeah. it didn't work for him in this in this tournament. The number the a number of questions he answered versus the number of daily doubles he uncovered is a very off kilter ratio in this tournament. Right. It's very strange. You wouldn't hear from Brad for ten minutes, and then he'd swoop in, get the daily double, and blow it. Totally. Uh, I don't really know what happened to Brad Rutter. We might never see him again because he seems to have kind of lost his Jeopardy mojo. What was going on there? He It looked like he was practicing and stuff, and it was showing like a highlight reel, and then he would get a 1,000 or zero in an entire game. Yeah. Yeah, he would He would really never get more than like six or $7,000 in a game. Well, Ken and, and, uh, Ken and James would have anywhere from like forty to 60000 Absolutely. But what I was going to say is, though Ken won playing fair and square... He had to rise to the level of James, which has never happened before. He had to change his strategy. He had to he had to bet like James. Yeah. The only way he would bet all of his money when he has $34,000 on the board yeah. is because he knows he's playing against James Holzhauer. And had James uncovered the Daily Double, which he just as well might have done, things could have gone totally differently. Mm-hmm. Well, and you even did in the last game. How oh, exciting was, was nail that? Biter. He almost <laughs> came back. I can't... For one thing, I can't figure out why James didn't get that Shakespeare question right. I knew it was Yago. That's that was confounding to me Yago too. Yago talks like, a lot, man. He is so he seems like he's guessing. It's basically 90% of the what, time but what, always got the answer right. What non titular Shakespeare character talks the most is basically the yeah, question. Yeah, has I, the most speeches with like 272 speeches. I knew it right away and I'm not even a student of Shakespeare, but Holzhauer got it wrong, bet all his money. Ken got it right and bet none of his money and that worked out for him. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were a part in the game. I think they were part like twenty thousand yeah points. But yeah, it would have kept, because um, James would have bet it all. He would have won if he got the final Jeopardy. We're this so is, it really did come down to the last second. This is not the last we've seen of James Holzhauer or Ken for that matter because of what a ratings coup it was for ABC. They can't believe how well this did ratings yeah. wise. Honestly, it got at least a million more viewers than even the highest rated TV programs of 2020 so far, except for Sunday football, which right. is extraordinary. I don't know why I thought in my head that Ken Jennings was someone completely different. Oh. I thought he was like a tall, skinny dude mm-hmm. with like kind of like a crew cut and glasses. Oh. <laughs> I think I think this goes back to when I was like, whenever he was originally on, early 2000s, and I think someone must have turned on the TV and been like, oh, this is that guy who wins all that money. And maybe I thought like one of the opponents. Are you was also Ken picturing Jennings? like a young guy who wears like flashy suits? Because mm. there's another Jeopardy champion named Buzzy who's quite a, a fan favorite. Oh, maybe, he maybe has, I'm like, thinking of Buzzy. Short hair and big glasses. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's Buzzy that I'm thinking of. Anyways, yeah. Ken was Ken was cool. Very cool guy. A lot of people would like to think that he could take on the mantle of Jeopardy host. Yep. I don't know if that'll happen. He might be able to. I, I honestly think he would be... I, I don't think Jeopardy fans would have any problem with that. I mean, it would it would be weird to have a problem with that, yeah. considering he's so earned it. Right. He's a brilliant guy, and he's full of personality. And he's very, like, quick and cool. Him and James are having some some nice little retorts back Man, and forth. Follow those guys on Twitter if, yeah. you, like, if you like their little retorts. It, and I did after, after you mentioned it to me. Yeah, there's so much trash talk between these nerds on yes. Twitter, and it's awesome. Yeah, and a lot of them <laughs> shitting on Brad, too, which is also funny. <laughs> Brad, who's a good sport. I mean, like, I don't want him to walk away from this embarrassed. Obviously, he's still the most uh, money-earning 
uh, game show contestant in history. Right. But something's off because he has beaten Ken a couple times before. And this Brad Rutter could never have beaten that Ken Jennings. Right. No, I, I agree. It's like uh, the skinnier he got, the worse he got. <laughs> Maybe you're right. <laughs> it looks good for his age. Yeah. How old is he? I mean, he was on before Ken. Like he was on in the 90s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He must have been a pretty young dude. I mean, they're all millionaires now, so that helps. Do you know how old um, James Jack Armstrong, the announcer for the Raptors, is? The guy who's like, get that garbage out of here. No. was I? Were we talking about this? Guess how old he is. I'm having a hard time hearing his voice in my head. A hard time kind of like placing him. Yeah. Okay. Because we really only knew the commentators in the NBA finals. Right. Last which, year. And they which, would just say things like buckets. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's him. That's him? Yeah. Uh, is he way older than you'd think? He's way younger than you'd think. Oh, no way. He looks like he's like in his 70s, like possibly yeah. mid 70s. I would have guessed like 60, 65. He's 57. Oh, okay. So he's a year older than Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, I mean, Brad Pitt is special in many ways. That's true. That's I mean, true. You, you had to ask the internet to to prove to me that he was 56. It's true. I mean, I would have guessed 52 or something just by uh, virtue of he's been around so long. But right. Brad Pitt doesn't apply to most human rules. You're right. He's probably on some like weird cryogenic stuff. He's got to be. Sleeps in a cryogenic bed. Uh, speaking of Brad Pitt, should we talk about the Academy Award nominations? Has enough been said about them? No, I mean, I, we can recap them. I we feel should. Like, like for posterity's sake, if nothing else. Notable that... Uh, award shows more than ever are a racket mm-hmm. and we talk about them because it's fodder and it's an interesting way to talk about the politics of the entertainment business. Sure. But uh, I mean, it's more evident than ever that the system is flawed. The business is flawed. Uh, and of course there's some notable snubs. Yeah. Uh, cultural snubs, you might say. <laughs> cultural snubs. Uh, so we don't have to go through everything, but uh some movies that didn't get nominated for any of the prestige, the above the line categories, uh, include like Avengers Endgame for visual effects. We like we got like, some of those exciting commercial uh, nominees. Star Wars also for visual effects. Uh, notable Star Wars got nominated for original score, making it John Williams' fifty second Academy Award nomination. Wow, which is sensational. Um, original score could still go to to Joker. It won the Golden Globe. Randy Newman's Marriage Story score is really great. You yeah. saw that movie the other yeah, night. Yeah, I did. I didn't realize until the end that it was Randy Newman. I'm sure I heard. We might have even talked about it at one point that it was Randy Newman. And then at the end, it was like, oh, yeah. I crazy. Can, I can picture his name coming on screen when they're like zooming out after she's tied his shoe. Yes, that's exactly what I can You know what's interesting? You wouldn't know this because you didn't see Jojo Rabbit, right? I didn't yet, no. So uh, I'll jump the gun and say Scarlett Johansson is now in a very elite club of only 10 actor-slash-actresses who is nominated uh, in both acting categories they're yeah. eligible for in the same year. She's nominated for lead for Marriage Story and supporting for Jojo Rabbit. There's only uh, nine other instances where this has happened. Uh, seven of them won at least one of their awards. Right. And so she's not likely to win either one. Did anyone win two? Uh, I don't know about that. She's not likely to win either one. Who's the favorite for Best Actress? Uh, right now, Best Actress is probably uh, Renee Zellweger. Okay. For Judy? For Judy. Although Scarlett could upset. It's more likely to get that than the supporting actress role. I just think they they made Adam Driver and Scarlett go for it so hard. Yeah. Where like it was, you know, a five minute long scene of her going from, you know, being okay to crying 
to laughing again. I think I think she's wonderful in That's it. That's such a crazy range. I think he's wonderful in it too, and in many ways, I think he's subtle. Although you pointed out to me that they had him do like all the Oscar-y things in this movie, yeah, like sing a song, like punch a wall, yeah, like like be charming with a child. Yep. Like those are definitely checking boxes. That's fair, right? Uh, given my druthers, I would rather have Adam Driver win than than uh, than Scarja. Uh, well, no, then, then Joaquin Phoenix, who's certainly the front runner. Let's talk about him in a second. Okay. Um, but I wanted to say about Scarlett, something that's interesting, you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit. In both movies that she's nominated for this year, mm-hmm. it's a very symbolic and important thing that she ties someone's shoe. Oh, wow. It's a big thing in Jojo Rabbit's that she that she, she plays the mom. She ties his shoe. Yeah, cool. And then her, her other movie that she didn't get nominated for, she was in three big movies this year. The other one was... A little movie called Avengers Endgame, which is the highest grossing film of all time. Right. ScarJo, for all of her uh, PR gaffes this year, had a good year. How many PR gaffes did she have? Am well, I, what am I missing? Well, she defended Woody Allen twice in Ooh, 2019. Yeah. And she also said uh, in, in response to the outcry for her having been originally cast in, oh, gee, I don't remember what it was, but it would have been an Asian American role. Oh, okay. Um, she said, well, what? I can play a tree if I want to. <laughs> and everyone was like well, that's a ridiculous thing to say right. what a stupid thing to say yep asians are not trees mm-hmm. it was it was almost like a, a a phrase which i'll bring up later in the uh i think it's episode two of the outsider oh okay anyways that uh, th- the way that a phrase was said was like why would you ever use that phrase at this time all right we'll get to that in a few minutes um what i do want to say uh scarjo oh the other thing that she should apologize for is how awkward she made everyone feel in uh, snl when she was like declaring ah, just have we not talked about that on the podcast uh, we haven't talked about it on I the podcast we did it off hated the that. podcast i hated that yeah. i was cr- i was like chewing on my knuckles yeah when she's like i love it here i met the love of my life here who she's been married three times and then they share like a an emotional kiss yeah. Like they're kind of like gazing into each other's eyes. This is during the monologue. It's what's so, happening, it guys. It so doesn't work for me. And I still like Colin Jost as a. I hope Colin Jost fought that. You know, Colin Jost made me laugh this week. I watched the um, the Dave Chappelle in induction into the Mark Twain uh, Kennedy Center yeah. Prize for Comedy. Really funny. Uh, cool. and, like a lot of really funny people. And so then three SNL cast members got up and like collectively did a little piece for Dave. And so Keenan went first and he talked about what. Dave Chappelle means to him and and uh, black sketch actors because he's like kind of today's essential black sketch comedian. Right. Uh, and then Michael Che said something really funny about what it means to be uh, a, a black stand-up comedian. Uh, he said a really wonderful thing. He said, the only thing um, we have that you don't have, Dave, is that we get to be stand-ups in a world where there's a Dave Chappelle. And right. so like, that's actually like a really cool thing to say. Yeah. And then Colin just got up last and he said, and I'm here to celebrate Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I thought he, it was a good his, one. His stand-up's really funny. Sure. But I mean, it, it is getting more and more obvious how um, unrelatable he is. Like yes. he's this like incredibly well-pedigreed, privileged kid who went to Harvard or like one of those schools. Yeah. Like, got a sick job at 30 Rockefeller, is marrying Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. It's, he doesn't have a human life. It's true. It's true. I wonder if he'll make a special now. It would be weird. It would be weird. I'd but, watch it. I mean, Seth Meyers pulled it off. He kind of checks all the same boxes, honestly. True. Uh, and John Mulaney, for that matter. It's easy to forget yeah. John Mulaney had, like, rich parents. Yeah. Well, when we were talking about who could host the uh, the Oscars, 
we started going down the Nick Kroll, John Mulaney role, and I was like, no, they're both A-listers now. Yeah. Or may- maybe you said that, but we both agreed that, yes, they're both A-listers. That doesn't mean they're ineligible to host the Oscars. That would, no, th- that would make them great. That would make them even more eligible. But we were talking about, yeah. hey, just give it to like, I was saying even like Mindy Kaling. And that is something they could actually entertain. Like you said, yeah. Ben Schwartz, and that's not going to happen. No. But I don't think Mindy Kaling's out of the question. No, she's not out of the question. That could be kind of interesting. Who that else? Cool. Who else could you think of like right now? What if they got... Um... Well, sometimes they like to force two uh, people from different communities right. together. That didn't work that Sandra well. Sandra Oh and Andy Samberg. Like they're both likable people. I think they did okay at the Golden Globes, but yeah. like... Unless there's already like an established partnership between these two. Like now we know Amy and Tina are coming back to host their fourth Golden Globes in 2021. Right. It's weird that they announced that already. But I guess because like, why not? People are going to be thrilled. I think that's what spurred the conversation. And you were like, this is good. And I was like, ah, I'm just so tired of like, you know, the, the hamster wheel of Hollywood hosts. Well, they don't like to take risks, buddy. I know. They never have. I know. They never have. Uh, production design, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917. Are we going to that tomorrow? Yes, let's do it. Let's go. 1917. Weather permitting. I'm excited for that. I think it's going to permit. I think so. I think it's going to be fine tomorrow. Uh, Irishman. Oh, uh, Lighthouse got nominated for cinematography. It's its only nomination. Right. The Lighthouse, which is kind of cool. I mean, it has clearly interesting cinematography. Mm-hmm. It's in black and white, and it's got a different aspect ratio that is going right. to call upon you to do some cinematographical uh, uh, improvising, I mm-hmm. think. So that's kind of cool. Original screenplay. This is maybe my favorite category. Uh, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino, probably the front runner. 1917, Sam Mendes. Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach. And Knives Out, Ryan Johnson. He's now an Academy Award nominee. Right. Ryan Johnson. I mean, all the movies I've seen in that category, which is three out of five, I loved. Like, loved. And then, so the two that you haven't seen are? Parasite 1917. Oh, wow. Which okay. I will see. You'll see one tomorrow. I will see. Uh, adapted screenplay, The Irishman, Steve Zalian. Uh, Steve Zalian wrote The Night Of Steve's, on HBO. So, the the alien of Steve? Steve's alien, yes. Steve's alien. Yes. I'm so happy for it. It's like an ALF situation. <laughs> But he doesn't have to live in hiding. No. <laughs> no, he's writing adapted screenplays uh, for Martin Scorsese. Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi, Joker, Todd Phillips, Scott Silver, Little Women, Greta Gerwig, and The Two Popes by Anthony McCartan. So it is notable that Greta did get nominated, mm-hmm. just not for Best Picture or for Best Director. Actually, no, she did get nominated for Best Picture, but she's not the she's not the producer. Right. Animated feature. This was kind of surprising. Like, How to Train Your Drag in the Hidden World, I Lost My Body, which won the Golden Globe. Uh, either Claws or Klaus, I don't know how it's pronounced, Missing Link and Toy Story 4. This is a better lineup of animated movies than the Golden Globes offered because there are more original movies. Okay. Uh, Train Your Dragon and Toy Story Notwithstanding, those are sequels. But the others are like new stories. Right. Whereas four to five animated movies nominated for Gold Globes were sequels. Okay. And what's the point? Yeah. I can see the writing on the wall already. It's going to be friggin' Toy Story 4. You think so? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I lost my body when the globe. That's possible. I lost my body. Is that yeah. supposed to be like a kid's thing or just an animated movie? I mean, I think it's a kid's thing. Okay. I don't think it's like BoJack Horseman. Right. <laughs> uh, supporting actress, we talked about that. Um, Laura Dern is likely to win that for Marriage Story. Scarlet, Scarlet for JoJo. She was good in, in Marriage Story. Yeah, she's great. She's she, cutthroat and she's probably pretty real. She was pretty solid. I actually yeah. thought Ray Liotta was really good too. Obviously oh, yeah. a way smaller role, but like. 
I like Alan Alda and as in terms of his lawyer, Alan he, Alda. He was great too. He's so excellent. Yeah. Uh, Florence Pugh for Little Women. Margot Robbie for Bombshell. I saw Bombshell. Mm -hmm. Margot Robbie has one great scene in Bombshell. Otherwise, she does not deserve this nomination. No. She, um, she was more bomb. Yeah. Charlize is great in yeah. Bombshell. But the movie itself is kind of lacking story when it's over. It kind of felt incomplete to me. Yeah. The acting is really good. Right. But I don't think we need to come away from this year going bombshell as one of the great movies of the last year. And Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, which I haven't seen, and good for her. Nobody's going to disagree. Kathy Bates is a great actor. But because she's on this list, Jennifer Lopez is not. Right. And that's uh, surprising. People have people. problems with that. Yeah. I haven't seen Richard Jewell. Have you? No. It's supposed to be kind of good. Yeah, but there's been some... Some like cultural, some like inaccuracies. Uh, yeah, Olivia Wilde's character is... is She's playing a real person who was involved in the trial of Richard Jewell, or right. she was a, she was a reporter. She's a journalist, and in the movie, she sleeps with John Hamm to get intel on the case, and right. that real woman did not do that. And so that's well, that's and apparently John Hamm's character didn't exist mm. in real life. Okay, I mean it's very common. Margot Robbie, for example, in Bombshell, it's very common for these based on a true story movies to amalgamate a couple of people into one character just yeah. for tidiness, right? Uh, or sometimes for uh, libelous reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to lie about the, the character and integrity of a real human, that's that's problematic for your movie. Yeah. Now, I didn't know anything about Richard Jewell. I know a little bit now. I'll see it when it's inevitably on Amazon Prime or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to buy a ticket. To that. Yeah, I don't know a single thing about Richard Jewell. No? no idea who he is. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's a, it's a true story. Okay about um i forget where uh, this happened but i guess sometime in the 90s the olympics were in the states yeah really in the states in the 90s and then again in 2002 uh yeah because they were in well they were in salt lake uh in 2002 for yeah. the winter olympics and they were in 1996 for in atlanta so that must be where, where this happened and that was the summer olympics um so richard jewell is a security guard who found a bomb oh yes okay no i do know the story right. i do know the story and the trailer looked very good for it he's a hero but quite very quickly the media kind of turned him into a suspect and he was right. really victimized by the trial of public opinion yeah ultimately was was cleared and that's good and uh, kathy bates plays his mother supporting actor uh, anthony hopkins for the two popes i apparently have to see the two popes Al Pacino for The Irishman, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, young buck Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, who's probably the front runner. Mm -hmm. And for the first time since Castaway, my buddy Tom Hanks has been nominated for an Academy Award for Ooh, A Beautiful Day yeah. in the Neighborhood. Are you going to have a, an Oscar-related uh, Tom Thanks? Yeah, I think I'll do Philadelphia that week. Sure. Because that was yeah. his first Academy Award. Um, lead actress, Cynthia Arrivo for Harriet. This is kind of... Uh, I mean, they've people have been throwing around the word token a little bit because... We were very close to another Oscar so white situation in right. the acting categories. Um, Cynthia Erivo plays Harriet. Another thing people like to note is that when people of color, uh, black people in particular, do um, get nominated for Academy Award, it is often for playing a slave, for example, or mm. somebody who has been subjugated and and uh, has overcome, and rather than just like playing like regular human roles. Sure. So that's yeah, that's that... noteworthy for sure. Mm -hmm. Scarlet for A Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger is the frontrunner for Judy. Lead actor, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. This is one of the movies that's in the uh, 
international film category, the newly renamed international film category. Okay. Speaks Spanish mostly through that movie. Right. Apparently he's wonderful in it. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Wow. Getting yep. a, lot of, a lot of hype. And Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. And Best Picture is a bloated category. We can have as many as 10 and we have eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Parasite, which you've not yet seen. Nope. It's, it's very tricky to see Parasite in Halifax. I, I want to. I'll have to figure it out some way. Mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, Marriage Story, Little Women, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, which is interesting. Uh, the Irishman and Ford versus Ferrari. That yeah, that was kind of the one that stuck out. Mm. It's it's a bit of it's a bit too much of a popcorn movie, I think, to be a thing. I made an observation about about Joker as it relates to the Best Picture category. Uh, Joker is the most nominated film at the Academy Awards this year with eleven. Okay, meaning uh, because of how all industry professionals from every different vocation within the business gets to vote in the Best Picture category, yeah. it is a front runner for Best Picture because it's getting the most votes at the Academy Awards just as evidenced by the nominations it's received thus far. It's not always the case that mm-hmm. the most nominated film wins Best Picture, but it's an advantage. Yeah. Uh, Todd Phillips' producerial partner is Bradley Cooper, meaning if Joker wins Best Picture, Bradley Cooper is going to win his Academy Award this year, but not for A Star is Born <laughs> and not for the other four acting nominations he's had right. in the last decade. And that's that's just the hangover relationship carried over? Yeah, I They're guess like, so. Like, hey, you you got money. We we like each other, right? Yeah, interesting. And Bradley Cooper was also in what was the one where he had a very small role in it with Jonah Hill and Miles Teller, War Dogs. Oh yeah, that's a Todd Phillips movie, right? Right. Did not get nominated for an Academy Award. No, not no, so good as that it one turns missed out. out. Yeah, Jonah Hill's good in that movie though. He's a psycho in he that is. movie. Yeah. So speaking of psychos, I, I've I've thought a little <laughs> bit about Joker. Interestingly, you can see a lot of Joker on YouTube. Really? Like all the best scenes of Joker seem to be legitimately uploaded on YouTube. I'm not sure if that's like a, a viral marketing thing, but like you can spoil Joker for yourself okay. on YouTube. And I've watched it all that way. Very unsettling film. And I talked a little bit about how I, I kind of feel like it's this year's Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, obviously, it's interesting that Todd Phillips is nominated alongside Martin Scorsese um, because the movie's so... I mean, it's it's been said again and again. The movie clearly seems to borrow aesthetically and tonally from the movies of Martin Scorsese, particularly in the 1970s, Taxi Driver and King of Comedy being the most notable references people make. And so I've thought a little bit about how Joker culturally is itself uh, a meta-commentary on the relationship between Scorsese and De Niro and film in general mm-hmm. to the point where they actually cast Robert De Niro in the uh, foil Jerry Lewis role. Right. Right? It's in interesting this movie. that he did that. It's kind of interesting. I mean, Marty was at one point attached to do this movie, and when asked at the Hollywood uh, Reporter Roundtable... It's not cinema. Well, <laughs> that's true. Uh, he was asked uh, why he fell off the movie, and he basically said, while well, Todd Phillips was at the same table, like, I've already made that movie, <laughs> which I right. thought was, like, kind of on the nose. Yeah. Um, additionally, if and when... Joaquin Phoenix wins Best Actor for playing Joker. He will then become only the second person ever to win an Academy Award for playing a role that another person has won an Academy Award for playing. The first person to do it was Robert De Niro. And there seems to be like this never-ending, perhaps 
not intentional, but culturally contributive to the greater narrative of what it means kind of uh, series of events that are happening around this movie. So are you saying, oh, oh, sorry. Are you saying Robert De Niro also played someone else or recreated a role that he then won an Oscar he for? He won an Academy Award for playing Vito Corleone after oh, Marlon Brando had won. <laughs> sure. It's only happened one time before. Right. Uh, and in both cases, actually, Joker and Vito Corleone, one person played it in the lead actor category and one person in the supporting actor category. Did Heath Ledger not win Best Supporting Actor for Joker as well? He did. That's what I'm telling you. Oh, okay. I yeah. see what you're saying. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Right. Okay. And again, these are all just coincidences. They're just like minor little things. But it's interesting the way it seems to be all circling back to either... Uh, Scorsese or De Niro right. everything about this movie and it has nothing to do with Martin Scorsese mm -hmm. and it doesn't have a lot to do with De Niro either he just happens to be yeah. in it yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see if that sometimes I think that choices are made specifically you know because people want that narrative to happen sure you know like, like the secret yeah exactly <laughs> a little bit like that they're they're waking up every morning and they're writing down a thousand times that they want Joaquin Phoenix to be best actor. And well, I, th they I think also... there are people who are doing that. That's what's uh, weird. Yeah. If you go and watch Joker clips on YouTube, don't go to the comments because it's just oh, creepy God. people. Yeah, apparently there's people that are just like, if Joker doesn't get nominated for best picture, then everyone else can just fuck off and everything's all is lost because are, this is clearly the best like what are come on guys they're like bernie supporters man it's yeah. like this or nothing else and we'll right. burn the city to the right. ground right yeah right anyway we'll we'll see how that ends up going. do you remember elsie fisher who played kayla in eighth grade yeah she so, was also in castle rock oh interesting second season i think she's terrific yeah uh, and she tweeted i think this is really really awesome she tweeted yesterday or maybe it was uh, Monday or Tuesday. It was after the Academy Awards were, were fresh. I love that I haven't heard this. I'm going to be surprised by <laughs> not, this. Whatever it's, not it a, it's not a big deal, but uh, okay. I was charmed by it. She tweeted, I've decided to start my own film awards because sometimes other ones suck. So here are the nominations <laughs> for the first ever annual Elsie Awards. <laughs> nice. And I'm, I'm not going to read them all, but she like went through like all the categories that she thinks are wrongly attributed. And she just sure. basically like says, look, at this award show, there's one voting member. And it's just entirely <laughs> yeah, up to her. That's fun. And she's going to announce the awards if she hasn't done so already on her Twitter. But she's also created some new categories. Um, best best in, independent feature for Booksmart, Honey Boy, The Art of Self-Defense, or The Lighthouse. Uh, best horror feature, Ready or Not, Us, Climax, or Midsommar. Oh, um, God. I watched the trailer for Midsommar, and then I read the plot synopsis, and I... Got like tunnel vision reading the plots on. I heard for Midsommar. I heard Midsommar is like, like the most chilling slash fucked up movie. Yeah, ever. It's I, the same I, director as Hereditary. I have no desire to watch this movie. I mean, the trailer is scary, and like I said, like I sat, I was on the radio yeah. between songs reading the Wikipedia page for Midsommar, and I was like getting kind of like dizzy. <laughs> it was so gross. Should I go down this rabbit hole? I mean, yeah, because you, you got a stronger constitution than I do. It's just kind of interesting. It's like, just fucked. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll do it. I might even watch it. <laughs> Don't watch it. It's <laughs> no, on Amazon Prime. Oh, I like this. The nominees for Best Young Performer. Roman oh, Griffin Davis for Jojo Rabbit. Julia Butters for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The little girl on the porch who gives Leo DiCaprio. Oh, like, yeah. Of she's course. She's wonderful. She was great. What a, what a great observation. Yeah. Anyway, so it goes on a little bit yeah. more, but I just thought it was kind of a, a neat thing that she yeah. was doing. 
did you hear about the theme song for No Time to Die? No. If you were to take a guess, who's singing the theme song for the new James Bond movie? Beyonce? No. Has that been done? Come on. There's a cooler, there's a cooler, more obvious, more current choice than Beyonce. Uh okay, Adele's... Considering what what the Bond theme tonally sounds like, also. Mm-hmm. When you hear it, you're gonna go, oh, obviously. Uh like Sam Smith. He won an Academy Award for his <laughs> Did he do one too? Okay. He did one and it was awful. Okay, wait. Um Who's currently it's not gonna be like Bruno Mars or something. No, it's Billy Eilish. You're such an old man. I know. <laughs> Billy <laughs> Eilish. I don't know. I've I'm, come around to Billy Eilish. Have you? She's great. Okay, well. Yeah. Big uh big ninety degree oh, ninety degree. One eighty. I there. did a one eighty on Billy Eilish. She's got an amazing voice. And she's she's gonna do exactly what what you want for a for a James Bond song. I'm into it. It's okay. not it's not a very adventurous choice, but it's obvious and I get it. I'm a Bond guy. Right. Duh. You're huh? Not the, you're not the first Do-do-do. person to have made that oh, reference. Oh damn it! Barbara, Listen, it was thirty seconds. Barbara Broccoli spoke about the <laughs> uh, the role of James Bond because we're kind of stuck in some kind of hellish vortex where we always have to be talking about right. who should play James Bond. I heard that Barbara Broccoli was nominated for Best Animated Feature this year. Yeah, is that true? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I maybe you're right. Yeah, <laughs> her Veggie Tales yeah. spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> what is so who's naming someone oh i guess she married into the broccoli family i don't know she's like the spokesperson the for the family carnivorous vegetable family you understand the broccoli family has always been like the keeper of james Bond. i know i know All i right. just find it very funny so she has spoken up about the inevitable heir to the role of james bond should okay. that happen soon i don't think it should um, and she says the next person to play James Bond can be of any ethnicity. Actually, she used the word color, but the next James Bond will be male. She said so. Basically, uh, as, as if to say, let's shut down this Jane Bond thing. That's not going to happen. Right, Jane Band for yeah, for better <laughs> or worse. That's not going to happen. But they are going to give 007 to uh, a, f- a female of color in this next movie. However, that's going to work. He's going to pass off the mantle. Right. And whether or not they decide to, to and, spin it off, I don't think they will. And then beginning of the next movie. Quick snipe. Yeah. <laughs> She's out. Take her out. All right, we need a new 007. Yeah. They'll give the people what they apparently want. Have you heard that the Game of Thrones prequel series has a name? No. I don't know if this is a, this piece of news is new today. It's new today that it's it's debuting in 2022, which is not for a while. Okay. Uh, it's called Game of Thrones House of Dragon. House of the Dragon, excuse me. And I hate that title. Yeah. I think that sucks. Game of Thrones, House of Dragon. House of the Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like it's too similar to Game of Thrones. Yeah, I guess. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Man of the People. <laughs> right. You know, it's just kind of weird. Well, there's a lot of blank of blank in the Song of Ice and Fire series. Right. Kind right. of not unlike with Star Wars, like it's blank of the blank in, in many cases. That's true. Right. So anyway, I think that's bad. <laughs> I yeah, I don't even think that, is it, is it going to be called Game of Thrones something something? Or Not necessarily. Can't it just be called House of the Dragon? House of the Dragon, but it also is in the Game of Thrones font. Like I'm sure right. it'll be very clear it's the Game of Thrones prequel. Right. But by 2022, are we going to be over it? Yes, we're over it now. I don't know. I think I think Game of Thrones could easily have a a resurgence. Maybe people are going to. Um, Do you think it generationally can? 
I think people are going to go back and be like, man, I just rewatched Game of Thrones. I think you're going to hear a lot of that over oh, the yeah. next couple of years and be like, man, man, like on the whole, like especially when you know what's coming. Well, similarly to the parabolic cultural tone about the Star Wars prequels, I think people, like it became a hot take to right. be like, well, Revenge of the Sith isn't so bad. Right. Like at one point we just painted all the prequels with the same brush. Yeah. And then people started to be like, Oh yeah, but we liked them. Yeah. And now that's a perfectly reasonable take to have. Mm-hmm. I think maybe eventually we can we can expect the hot take to be Oh, you you come to like the series finale on the second time round or something. Yeah. I could see people doing that. I hope they do. Mm-hmm. And and as good as the rest of the body of work was, it really does deserve like, you know, a 90% rating. Like it got 90% totally. of the way there. It just didn't land greatly. Absolutely. Yeah. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, you, which we talked about last week, was mm-hmm. officially renewed for a season three. Yeah, um, they are following novels, also like Game of Thrones, novels that have not yet been completed. Right, and so they've done two seasons based on two books. Mm-hmm. The, George R. R. Martin is also the writer, of also you. writing you. <laughs> it's very frustrating <laughs> to be in the same position again. Man, he really has no style. Uh, <laughs> Um, Loves naked women though He That's right He plans She plans to write four books In the Joe Goldberg series Okay Two of them are out so far And season three of the show Is going to have to get ahead of the book So clearly mm-hmm. We've already moved beyond that But people are into this show Another show coming Which I need to know more about uh, Parasite Yeah Is being adapted for TV As a mini series By Bong Joon-ho In English By Adam McKay Huh. And this seems antithetical to what Bong Joon-ho said at the Golden Globes about the importance of exploring right. international cinema. <laughs> right. Yeah, we have to wait until it's in a in a more digestible format for Western culture and also in English in order to mm. know what Parasite's all about. Was his whole thing, you should first go and see international film and then pay those international filmmakers to buy the rights and produce it as an english show maybe and well. he's he's Go still in, he's still involved in it yeah but like i don't know it seems like a weird choice we don't know very much about it at this point it's a strange one uh amazon has ordered a jack reacher show and i only think this is interesting because they already have a jack ryan show yeah and so it got me wondering now that the avengers cinematic universe the marvel uh, thing is so mm-hmm. well established and star wars is doing something similar and isn't there also like a jason bourne series well that's also what i'm getting to okay so could you ever foresee a world where perhaps amazon prime is hosting a uh, a trade paperback adapted for tv cinematic cinematic universe where we have crossovers with jack ryan and jack reacher and alex cross and robert langdon and jason bourne and all, all right. these like action stars from like drugstore novels. Th- they're all living in the like, what What would you call that universe? <laughs> like, the- I think the trade paperback universe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the TBU. Yeah. Oh, the TPU. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. L- I say let's do it. Okay. I think, I think that Robert Langdon deserves his day in the sun. <laughs> like he's kind of the one who has had his name dragged through the mud the most. Has he? Yeah. I don't know. I think none of these these books are high literature, but people devour them because they're fun. Right. Ryan Reacher. <laughs> Langdon's the teacher. Ah. And then there's some like a uh, little limerick to go along with it. 
But, you know, like James Patterson novels, Lee Child novels. Mm-hmm. Why can't they all cross over and exist at once? It's <laughs> Clive Cussler. Yeah. Jack Ryan went into the next room to speak with his butler. <laughs> why Why is it a... Why does it have to be in verse? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I truly don't know. I don't know why there has to be a narrator for this, but... All right, a movie's I, coming I, out this weekend. Okay. And it's called Doolittle. Yeah. And it has... I think it's going to be a bust, baby. You think? It's yeah. got 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, no. I didn't even know this yet. 13. Yeah. I started listening to the interview with him and Joe Rogan. Me too. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be enjoyable. I'm only like 15 or 20 minutes into it. I mean, I like Robert Downey Jr., but I wonder a little bit, is he suffering from everything I touch turns to gold delusions? I think maybe a little bit. I mean, he also, or, or he just doesn't care. Or he just has to see it through. Yeah. Like he's, it's got his name on it. He clearly, it's, it's a Downey production. Yeah. Like he knows at this point, it's probably doomed to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's weird. Like he hosted Ellen the other day. And by the way, not good. It was hosted. Very, very cringy. Ellen has a lot of celebrity guest hosts now. Okay. Um, he can't do like stand up or whatever. It didn't work. Yeah. Um, he's still affable and he's really good on Rogan cause he's so normal. Right. Um, and he's a smart guy. But this movie is a bust for sure. Yeah. And they seem to have pulled some of the marketing for it. Like, I don't think it's going to make a lot of money either. No. Yeah, they're they're choosing very weird, um, like any of the trailers that I've seen, it's like him fighting a, a tiger for a second and then being on a boat being like, there it is. I mean, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. It could, it could, uh, it could be lucrative because there's like animals farting in it or something. Yeah. Like in a Minions kind of way, it doesn't have to be critically good for it to be a successful picture. But I don't know if we're headed in that direction. Like all the reviews say it has no charm or joy in it. When he was describing the process of like, he's like, so I found this crazy uh, Welsh doctor who like said you could communicate with animals. And I sent a picture to the director and I said, what do you think of this? And he said, that looks like the guy. Yeah. Which he's like, he said that because you're Robert Robert Downey Downey Jr. Jr. (laughs) And you're being in a Disney movie. Yeah. He doesn't care. Like this is. He's, it's going to be a hundred million dollar movie. He's just trying to keep you happy. Also, this is a screenwriter who wrote Syriana. He doesn't know what makes a good family movie. True. What a weird choice. (laughs) I know. What's he doing? (laughs) I heard that and I was like, did he say, are we talking about a producer or the straight up screenwriter? The screenwriter, the script. He said he got the script and it was like, oh, I know that name. He wrote Syriana. Syriana. (laughs) Wow. I loved growing up the Rex Harrison, Dr. Doolittle. Which was... Not the the Eddie Murphy one, but like the original the film with Rex Harrison one? from okay. the 60s. It had like great musical numbers. Oh, wow. um, That's a good movie. Right on. I haven't seen that one. And I was trying to remember, remember the Doolittle one. I think when I was a child, I found it very funny. I'm sure it'd be a tough watch now. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. But that did pretty well critically, didn't it? Uh, not think... critically. Sorry. But like box office... Styles I'm sure it was well. a big deal. They made a couple of them. He was definitely in at least two Doctor yeah. Doolittle movies. Yeah. I don't know. And there's like squirrels farting, I think. I mean. It was like, oh my God, he just had gas. People will go to a squirrels farting movie. Right. They always have before. Yep. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the number one rule of the show. Sean. That's what you need to take away. People like squirrels farting. Yeah. They let's, don't hate it. Let's talk about The Outsider, which is our only show of interest this week. Yes. But you got so carried away that you went ahead and watched two i watched both episodes so i'm gonna recap the pilot episode okay. and then afterward you can recap the second episode which i actually haven't seen although i've done a little reading right 
Um, I'm about to start the stopwatch. So you are going to recap episode one. I afterwards will recap episode two. Great. Now we'll, we're up to speed. We'll talk about one uh, in three, two, one. The police turn up in this small town, uh, the dead body of Frankie, who's like a little little league uh, ball player. Uh, the initial suspect, because of some witness testimonies, is the little league coach, Jason Bateman. There is, in fact, a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that he is probably the person who murdered this little boy, except there's also evidence suggesting he was out of time. Security video footage. He has no memory and believes, of course, he is innocent. And then uh, at the end, he is approached in prison by somebody threatening him. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've left some important stuff out. Basically everything Ben Mendelsohn, who's a very interesting character. Yeah. So Ben Mendelsohn playing just straight up uh, cop dude. Well, and it's nice to see him be generally a good guy. Like you're not, yeah. re you're not really rooting for him because he's against Jason Bateman, who you're inclined to believe is somehow innocent. Yeah. But he's playing a cop and so often Ben Mendelsohn plays a crook. Right. He's very like... In the first uh, episode, he's very, you know, he's the, he he sees this evidence and he's very upset by it. He's not like, I gotta find this motherfucker kind of thing. Well, he also had a son die. Yes, and so that's that's partly why he's motivated. Yeah, uh, and and horrified by the death of this small child, which is objectively horrifying. And yeah. they do show the kid's dead body, and it's gruesome. It's it's bad. Like yeah. it really plants a, a whatever did this is is truly twisted yes um and so you see all this video of jason bateman actually do it and and a, a young child gives like a witness testimony of like he came out with like blood all over his face because there were bite marks on the kid his bite marks on the kid like the kid has been like basically devoured truly truly damaged but then jason bateman is like I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't even in town when Frankie was murdered. Yeah. And then he hires a family friend lawyer to support him. Mm -hmm. And the lawyer goes through some back channels to turn up some security footage, or I guess it's news footage, proving that indeed Jason Bateman wasn't in town. Yeah. So they have proof that he was in town and proof that he wasn't in town, mm -hmm. which initially makes you question like the doppelganger thing right. or like, like, does this show have some kind of supernatural element? That's not clear in the first episode. And Ben Mendelsohn has to ask him in the car. He's like, just answer me one thing. Did you ever touch my son? Right. And he's like, I'm not even going to answer that question. You've insulted you like, me. Yeah. Actually, that, that scene was the most chilling because you're right. He's in the back of the cop car and he's just like horrified. He can't believe this is yeah. happening. He says, I'm not going to talk until I have my lawyer. The, and that's a little frustrating. The first episode is a little frustrating. As, uh, the mom's, you know, yelling at him. I just always, in those situations, mm. I'm like, just scream like, no, yes. I didn't do this. I wrote the same thing down. Like you're right at the police station. The, the mom of the murder victim is like, did you kill my son? And he's just not looking at her. That doesn't look good, buddy. I hate that. I was saying like, there's a, a scene in the second episode too, where there's like an angry mob gathered outside the courthouse and he's walking and I'm like, why wouldn't you not be like, you guys got to listen to me. Like I, it wasn't me. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't you'd do that if you were accused to of something totally. horrible. And, and I actually think that, the lawyer would be like, just keep your head down and walk in. Right. But you'd be like, no. No, exactly. That looks weird. Well, you just have to hope that like, if people saw you like really emphatic and and, and scared, yeah. they'd go, oh, this guy, they, maybe some people at least, people are going to believe what they want to believe, but maybe some people are like, oh, I think he's telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I totally agree. No, but what he says in the back of the car, which really chilled me, he says to Ben Mendelsohn, um, 
you just ruined our lives. Yes. And I, which, I thought that was like a, which gr- was a great true. line. He also, the, the frustrating thing, there were a couple things, you know, they brought, bring up the van and he just goes, van? Yeah. But he doesn't go like, I don't, what van are you talking about? I don't have a van. Like, right. I, I kind of wished more of that was happening. His lawyer is also so horrified that the cops uh, are treating Jason Bateman as if he's already been convicted. Like they're right. talking about him like he did this, you did this. And they all they know, haven't even questioned and him And they yet. all know him too and kind of understand like his character. And they arrested Jason Bateman in front of all the kids on the baseball team, in front of all the other yeah. parents, in front of his coworkers. Ben Mendelsohn did this out of anger to yes. kind of like make a, a, not really to make a point, but like to be like, let's show everyone how much of a monster this guy actually is. Right, right. He um, he directed it. Jason Bateman directed this, yeah. which is interesting. I know he's directed a lot of Ozark as well, and he's kind of the, the shepherd for Ozark, but I do find it strange that he would commit to something so grim. Right. Uh, again, when we know him initially as a comedic actor. Yeah. And we, you see in the first episode too, right? Like outside the house, there's just this hooded figure. Yes. I didn't and really it, catch that. It was really, the I was watching it on my laptop and it was hard to and see. And it kind of slowly like zooms in and it's almost like a faceless. Kind of mutilated like, looking. Yeah. It's almost like a deformed, dark face. Okay. Under so city. here's my theory. I mean, obviously that's the outsider. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, he must be some kind of like body snatcher guy. He must be able to take the form of other people. It kind of seems like that, doesn't yeah. it? What do you think? Because this is a Stephen King yeah, it's based on a Stephen King novel, but not an old one. Like, this book just came out in the last five years. Oh, no way. Yeah. What do you think this means for Stephen King? Like, you know how um, Misery is kind of about Stephen King having a broken leg? Yes. And, and what, how do you think he came about this idea? Is this, like, you know, is is it disparity? Is it the subconscious? Is it, like, the id inside of all of us? Maybe that's what... It is. I mean, like, like the animal side of all of yeah, us. Yeah, it's like, whoa, are we all really capable of that? Is that what this I don't character know. is supposed to be kind of uh, illustrating? Uh, for better or worse, Stephen King has kind of a reputation for being inspired by like really small, lackluster things. Sure. And sometimes that turns out a really interesting story, or sometimes it's like like Cujo, for example. Right. Like like I want to write a whole book that takes place in a car that you literally can't exit. Like that's an ambitious and interesting premise. Yeah. But like also Mr. Mercedes is also like, is that also about a car or is it about a person named after a car? I don't know. He he does have some books that are like, really? That's right. what that's about? What, wasn't, was Cujo a dog? Yes. It was a rabid dog. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I think what I said a minute ago uh, is is an interesting angle, which is the trial of public opinion. People believe what they want to believe. I think mm. that's what's going on in this yeah. show. Yeah, that could be it. Especially within the last five years, it would kind of make sense. Yeah. You know, everyone's taking a side kind of thing. Right. You know, kind of those political undertones. I don't know if... It, I, and he wrote a book called The Institute this year, which I, I started and then I just kind of got distracted. It was good. Yeah. It has even more political tones, like Stephen King has been very outspoken against Donald Trump and fake news. And that's very evident in the Institute. I don't know if necessarily that's what motivated the outsider, but it does seem to be about not necessarily misinformation, but just like trust and and does such a thing exist. Also, it takes place within the exact kind of small town milieu that basically all good Stephen King does. Right. But just in Georgia this time. But it could have easily been Maine. Dairy Maine. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, here's the thing. Sure. I thought it was a terrific pilot. 
Yes. It's really grim. It's 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 probably not for me. And I know some stuff about episode two now, which is like, Dude. yeah, I'm not going to watch the show. Yeah. But it's a good pilot. It's I did not. I don't know why I didn't expect to like it. Because the thing is, I do really like Stephen King. Right. Sometimes I love Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew it was Stephen King. For some reason, I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this. Right. And I did not. It was very good. I'm more into it after the second episode. Did Did the daughter waking up? at the edge of the bed thing happened a lot too. That was another big, big point. Yes. Two things I guess I, I should circle back to the daughter waking up and she's like screaming yep. and mom comes in and she's comforting her. And she's like, you just had a bad nightmare. And the kid is adamant. That's the bad man or whatever was in her room. Yeah. And so, you You're know, saying that, not nice things to me. Yeah. And you know that she's right. It yes. wasn't a nightmare. Right. Uh, and the other thing that's horrible that happens is Frank's family. The little boy's family is just deteriorating very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so little boy is killed. Mother is on the verge of having a nervous breakdown. She has a heart attack and goes to the hospital. Yeah. And like that's, that's not going to go well. No. Right. That's right. So, so it's not a happy, that, it's on, not a blast. No, it's it's bleak. But and, yeah. and I I really want to binge watch it now. I'm like, oh, give me that immediate gratification. Like I want to know what happens. Only two of them are out though. Only two of them are out. You're going to recap the second episode for us. Yes. Of The Outsider. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're ready to do that? I'm ready to do that. Okay. Uh, do you need names? Uh, you can just use actors' names. I'll just use actors' names. Terry Maitland. That's Jason Bateman's yep. name. Okay. Okay, well tell us what happens to him in episode two in three Two, one, go. So Terry Maitland is on trial, but first Ben Mendelsohn's character uh, sneaks into the jail overnight to have a conversation with him. Um, They kind of talk it out, and and I think Ben Mendelsohn sees like, man, this guy's actually really not guilty. Uh, The next day they go to trial. They're walking through the angry mob of people. The son of the uh, uh, boy who's, or the brother of the boy who's been killed emerges from the crowd and shoots uh, a couple cops dead and kills. It's at thirty seconds now, but kills Terry Maitland. Kills him. That's that I did not see coming. His dying words and that these were the bombs I told you I might have to drop. Yeah, um, I his, knew about it. And yeah, okay. Yeah. And his dying words are, "I didn't do it. Like I didn't kill." So that's what he's saying to Ben Mendelsohn. And we know that as the viewer. Like yeah. obviously, that's clearly this version of this guy is innocent. Right. Ben Mendelsohn um, kind of goes into a dark place. He's kind of relieved from the force for the time being because he had to shoot the kid in the head and right. kill the kill the. Other right, so brother. now both of the sons in this family have died tragically. Both sons. The the wife is dead from a heart attack. She dies from the heart attack. And then the father. The father hangs himself. Hangs himself. So he's in he's <laughs> in like the like ICU. The, yeah. Insanely sad. Not a good line for these guys. So he hangs guys. himself. He doesn't die, but he's like, he's comatose or something. Right. Yeah. And, and while all these, so the shooting happens, the, the, the hanging happens. And like, you just see this kind of like hooded. Like it's literally a thing wearing jeans and a green hoodie. Right. You almost wonder like, is this supposed to be like a high school kid or is it like, you know, who is, who is controlling this thing? Right. Um, anyways, he's always kind of like peering and sometimes from like very afar, but you can clearly tell he's in the frame. He's the outsider. He's the outsider. Looking in. Yeah. Um, anyway, very chilling. Have no idea what it means. I gotta say I woke up. At about quarter to four last night, hearing sounds from my heater, oh, and it was pooped. hard. It was hard to not just be like, "It's all good." Yeah, Go, like don't 
Don't think about that show. That's interesting. I don't think of you as somebody who gets spooked by their content. Because I am. It has to be... It has to be something kind of like... Something like that, that that's like, oh, that's just really haunting. I'm telling you, every single night, like Becky goes to bed about an hour and a half ahead of me. Yeah. And like turning off the lights in the kitchen to come back upstairs. I mean, I do it every night. I don't like doing it. Sure. Every yeah. single night, I'm like, this is not my favorite right. thing. Right. Yeah. No, I was telling telling Jen yesterday, and she was kind of surprised to hear that I was like a very, like, like when it came to horror movies, never watched them, very no. freaked out. It would affect my sleep, kind of skittish in that way. I remember the movie What Lies Beneath. Okay. <laughs> that one really, really tapped me when I was in like grade six. That sounds scary. Yeah. It was a Harrison Ford and uh, 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 Callista Flockhart, I think. or Okay. That's his wife. No, it wasn't Calista Flockhart. It was um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, it was like a, a big story. It wasn't even really a horror movie. It was supposed no. to be more of like a psycho thriller. But there's a scene with a dead body like floating in the water. It's funny. For what, some reason, it really it, It's really funny chilled. what will get you though. Like I was in grade seven when Lost premiered. Okay. I loved Lost. Yeah. But the stuff with Ethan... When he first hangs Charlie, like like when we first learn about the others, and Ethan comes in, yeah, I I had trouble sleeping from Ethan. Really, just like something tonally about him was yeah. really troubling to me. Yeah, and and you almost want to continue watching it because sure. you know that like I want I want to get out of this darkness. That's also part of what drives me to want to watch the rest of the show. I'm like I know it's not going to be as scary. You've seen scary stuff before. I have. Yeah. 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 Of course. I'm thirty. <laughs> i've seen real life man yeah. <laughs> uh and is it a, a like a like a science fiction kind of supernatural thing or is this just there's, a cop show no there's like it's it's kind of 50 50 okay. i mean there's no part in the cop show now where they've been like there's something out there like there's something messed up here there's right. a creature that has not been discussed at all it's it been all of, procedural it's kind of lacking a main character isn't it like ben mendelson i guess is is our main he's I, he's full on the main character I in the second kind of thought terry maitland was going to be but i know they drew barry mortem yeah they sure did um and i think he's just focusing on directing the rest of the show i think jason bateman is full on the director because he directed the second episode yeah um so i think he's he's all in on the on the show now. Isn't it interesting that Stephen King productions don't seem to be beholden to one particular network? Like sometimes they're on HBO and sometimes they're on Hulu and sometimes they're feature films. Right. I think Castle Rock is an FX show. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Second season's not awful. Is it done? We're slowly making our way through it. Oh, okay. Not awful. It's not a great review. You love the first season. Yeah. I don't love it as much. Yeah. The second season, but it's interesting. Okay. They're, they're trying something different. I do give my ass to The Outsider. I do, for sure. Good show. Yeah. Yeah. Really liked it. Had to watch Jeopardy afterwards. I had to get oh. up early this morning. Jen was like, okay, we need to put on something nice. And I'm so surprised she didn't wake <laughs> up screaming. Uh, so, we, yeah, that was when we watched watched old Jeopardy James. That's a good it. palate cleanser, for we sure. We really needed it. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> yeah. think so. Did we talk about and I still had weird dreams. Well, what did you have dreams about? I had a dream uh, where... I was like running through the forest away from someone. So like Ooh. it was very like. You think that was inspired by the outsider? I think it was like, you know, the whole like forest scene. And right. Yeah. And I wasn't worried about it falling asleep, but. I very seldom weird. remember my dreams, but they're almost always very strange. I actually, because we're going to a movie tomorrow night, 
I had a dream that you and I went to a movie, except it was A Star Is Born. Ah. And for some reason, I like left. Like I, I drank like two beers before the movie, <laughs> which you don't drink. Which I, yeah. yeah. And then I like blacked out. I like woke up in my bed. I woke up in my dream from going to this movie, and I was like, "Wait a second! Like, did I just like leave and like wander off? Like, did sweets?" I'm just, just in like, the movie yeah, crying. Yeah, being like, Where, where's Slaney? Like, what happened? <laughs> so anyways, that was just a weird, uh, weird dream that I had. That is a weird dream. Yeah. That's very strange. I haven't been sleeping that well this week. And then yesterday I ran 10 kilometers because I'm training. Oh, yeah. And I'm very proud of myself, but I was so sure. And I should know better because I've never had a good relationship with sleep. But I spent most of yesterday thinking, I'm going to sleep so good tonight. Uh, and then I slept fine, but not sufficiently. And today I was just in a fog. Right. You kind of jinxed yourself. I guess that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. And I think I had some dreams, but they're gone. I don't remember them now. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, hey, keep running though. Okay. I'll keep, I'll keep working on it. Run Ask it. for the outsider. Yeah. Absolutely. Will Smith is on the promotional trail for Bad Boys 3. Love it. Which has 78% of Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't cool. too bad. He's really adamant that this movie is great. And he sure. said, he said on Jimmy Fallon that um, in the past he has said movies are good when he knows they're not good. Yeah. Which is him admitting to being untrustworthy, Did by Jim, the way. Yes, that's true. Did Jimmy say, like, okay, what movies are you talking about? No, of course not. It, well, it seems like something that he would say. Well, he offered up Men in Black 3. He said, like, Men in Black, oh. man, like, I wasn't so happy with the Men in Black script, I think he said, or the way it turned out or something. Right. It's pretty, like, I mean, our Never Trust Will Smith gag, not to pull back the curtain too much, but it only works because he is so goddamn likable on right. talk shows and stuff. Um, it's so easy to forget, though, that he had a movie come out on Christmas Day called Spies in Disguise, yeah. which nobody has talked about. Right. And it has like 92% of Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't seen it. It's an animated movie. Yeah. Maybe it's done well and I'm just that like separated from the kids uh, movie going atmosphere. It's had some decent like promo push. Well, Frozen 2 is also out and that can't be good for the other animated movie that's out. Right. But it has good reviews, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just hearing nothing about it. Spies in disguise. Yeah, yeah. He gets turned into a bird. He's right. He's a spy who gets turned into a bird, which it's, is a fun premise. It's based on an animated short, which is okay. basically the same thing. And it also has Tom Holland, who people love. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Right. Are Are he and Will Smith on a panel together at all? Are we no, seeing that? No, because he's moved on from that, and now he's just doing Bad Boys press. Right. Okay. And in doing that, he did the Jada round table show where yeah. you're like always giving confessions talking about stuff. poop etc talking about poop or whatever he talked about tupac this week on the round table show hmm. uh because jada pinkett smith went to high school with tupac and they were really close yeah they were in juice together and so he talked about how he was always really jealous of jada's relationship with tupac jealous because he you know he was intimidated by tupac so he was he was kind of scared of losing his girl to Tupac, hey, I think. Smart move to be scared of Tupac. Bingo. Who knew? And also just jealous that Jada was closer to Tupac than he was. Right. Right. Tupac, uh, not arguably a better rapper than Will Smith. Yeah, definitely, definitely a better rapper than Will Smith. Definitely a better rapper. I think that was the point of his confessional. I'm not really sure how this leads to never trust Will Smith, but he did admit well, to a character flaw. Hey, Tupac was killed... By a mysterious gunman. That's true. Never trust Will Smith. You might, you might say he was killed by a very bad boy. <laughs> I don't mean to imply anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we're thinking, you know what? What you gonna do when they come for when you? When comes for you. Never trust Suge Knight. Never trust Suge Knight. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. It might be Suge Knight. Just saying. <laughs> what a twist! <laughs>